You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived, worked, and ministered in small, out-of-the-way places. So if you're tuning into this and you find yourself as a pastor, whether volunteer, paid, bivocational, or a Sunday school teacher or a deacon, we are just so hoping that you would leave this podcast encouraged and informed because what you do in a small out-of-the-way place matters so much to the kingdom of God. I am your host, Joe Epley, and today we get the chance to interview a longtime pastor, Jeff Capel. He has been in a little town called Tolna, North Dakota for the last 35 years of pastoral ministry. So we're super excited to dive into his story to kind of glean some lessons that only longevity can bring. Uh, but first, before we dive into that, I want to say, Pastor Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing really well. It's great to be with you and look forward to it. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, one of the first questions we ask everybody is uh, we love for people just to give us a background of their journey. And obviously, uh, with so much time in one place, uh, you know, maybe your story doesn't involve hopping around a lot, but I'd still love to hear, you know, whether it was your call to ministry or, or how you ended up where you were. Like, like, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection to the rural church. Uh, my first experience of getting a kind of a personal call is when I was 12 years old, I was at a meeting and a guy spoke over me. And then after that, uh, I, I got saved at the age of 14 at a, at a meeting in the local church that I was in. And so once I got saved, then I began to understand just a little bit more of what that call meant. And so then uh, after we went through that time of growing a little bit and got to my senior year in high school, uh, all of a sudden I began to realize, Hey, you know, I need to figure out where I'm going to go. So that's why I went to Bible college and, found out in Bible college that God called me to be a pastor, and that's where I met my wife. And it was a great experience there. And uh, after we got done there, we went to the Philippines and for a couple months and then came back and asked God where to go. And, of course, uh, Acts 17 is one of the scriptures that we use to find out where we needed to go because we believe God puts us in exact places. Uh, oh, there's sure. reasons why God puts us in the places we're in. And I wanted to be, I don't, it didn't, my whole goal was I didn't want to waste any time doing something God never called me to do. Mm. So that was one of the scriptures that we used and, and prayed over. And within uh, that day of praying, we got a phone call of a small group of people that just started meeting up here in, in uh, Tolna, North Dakota. And from there, here we still are. <laughs> wow. And tell us a little bit about the town of uh, Tolna. I mean, uh, what, what size are we talking here? Uh, 200. And then uh, actually a little town closer to our church is Hamer, and it has five people in it right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so doing, And then Warwick is on the other side of us, and that has a little less than 100 right now. But, you know, over the years, it's kind of up and down. But it's a small sure. rural community, and it's, a, it's just been a great experience. I've truly loved it here. Awesome. Well, it is so fun when we get to dive into uh, conversations about longevity. One, I am personally a huge fan, showing my bias a little bit when we get to see uh, what it looks like to pastor over a long period of time effectively. Uh, but also, it it is something that's sometimes really elusive in the rural church. It feels like there's there's two extremes. There's either people who are 
uh, yeah, there forever. And it's like, man, I've spent multiple decades here. Or you get people who say, man, every two years we get a new pastor. Every two years we get a new, you know, and, and it's, it's elusive. Um, so today we're going to dive into kind of longevity, seeing as it's a huge part of your story. Um, what do you think are some of the blessings of longevity? And maybe highlight a couple stories of how, of how God has really worked through that. You know, what, what are some things that happened that you're like, man, if I was here less time, that wouldn't have been. You know, that wouldn't have been present in my ministry. Share some of those. So when we uh, started the church, uh, the church is put in the country and right around it, it's surrounded by what the it's called a weed called leafy spurge. Okay. And we had a guy that used to drive by quite often and going to the local establishment uh, to have some drinks and stuff. And and uh, he thought, you know what? They should call that church the leafy spurge church. Well, leafy spurge is basically a, a weed that the roots go 30 feet deep, its head pops seeds in every direction every year. And uh, so in the process of being called that, and a lot of people saying, we just kind of embraced it because, well, if our roots are going to go 30 feet deep, it has the ability to spread itself and overcome anything that grows naturally. It's just almost like the presence of God can do that. So that man, you know, what what he thought was kind of a jab ended up being a blessing because at the end of his life, he asked me if I would do his funeral oh, and wow. if he could have his funeral at the Leafy Spurs Church. <laughs> so, I mean, so those are, if, had I not been here as long, he, it may not have ever happened. We don't know. But it's just one of those times when he brought all his friends that normally hang with him. And we had a great presentation of the gospel that day. And it was just a great experience. But I think longevity was a part of that as well. Yeah. And in a very general sense, you know, um, um, that's a great story to highlight. But in a very general sense, like, what do you think are some of those blessings of longevity? You know, you mentioned being able to minister to this guy originally, but just just in general, why should a pastor stay somewhere a long time? What have you noticed? Uh, You get to rebuild relationships through generations of families and you get to be around in lots of arenas of maybe celebrations or or difficult challenges or you get to walk through people when they have their most difficult or challenging moments of life. And uh, because you've been here this long, they've learned to trust you if you've established that. There again, what we had to establish was stability. We had to establish faithfulness. We had to establish, establish, uh, you know, that we're going to be there. And we did that over the years. And God has graciously helped us do that. And we proved that we weren't going anywhere. We're going to stay here and, and just felt like this is where God had put us. So we're very thankful for those opportunities. And because of that, many people will reach out to you at different times and you can't predict it, but you just, you know, it's coming possibly somewhere along the way. So it's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine in 35 years, there might be families where, uh, you know, you got to be there for the baby dedication and then the baptism and then the graduation and then the graduation from college and then the marriage and then the kids. And, you know, it's just this whole you know, the death of the parents. I mean, it's just insane what what longevity can bring if done effectively. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is just learning to live every day as God intended you to live rather than getting wrapped up in your own your own wants and desires and then try to fulfill your own purpose. If you fulfill God's purpose, it's a lot easier, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, one of the things I want to highlight about longevity, because again, I know that it's 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 another part of your story. Um, 
But I know that you have had, especially for a season of your ministry um, in Tolna, that you've had a a huge opportunity to be involved in funerals, right? You, you've been approached and been able to have that as part of your ministry, even more than maybe a, a regular pastor would. Um so, so tell me about this because again, I think for me, you know, I, I came into rural ministry as a youth pastor and unfortunately I, I did have to conduct a, a funeral of a youth student, but that was my first one. And I think at the time I was in my twenties, I was, I was jumping in, uh, to rural ministry and I was going, man, what is so important about a funeral? Why, why is, why is someone's darkest age is such an incredible ministry opportunity? And you've gotten to see that front row over and over and over. And I know some pastors might be intimidated by that or or maybe even dismissive and say, man, is this so significant? So tell me about it. Why is it, what's so powerful about ministering to someone on on a family's worst day? Well, I think it comes down to when you, when you learn to serve a community or your church, you're not there to build numbers. The biggest thing, in my opinion, I, I could care less how many people come to church. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that I can give them something that I've gotten out of my own relationship with the Lord, that while they're on their most difficult day, most challenging day, whether even a, even on a celebration day of a wedding or whatever, that I can give them things that God has shown me. And because of that, you, you're almost able to, you're, I should say almost, you're able to give them exactly maybe what they need that day because you heard what God was talking about. So it's one of those things that I really enjoy stepping into those arenas where you just get to, you know, walk alongside, not expect them to come to church or anything like that because I'm a pastor, but you just get to walk with them and help them and be there to comfort them, pray with them. And uh, because of the situation, uh, my uh, funeral guys that I work with, they were willing to let me pray with people or whatever. So they, they weren't hindering me from being a pastor, even at the moments. And uh, it became very effective and very helpful. So which also in in starting a new church in a new area, not everybody's excited you're there. But yeah. at the same time, when you show that you when you show that you care, it's always interesting to watch people respond differently. And uh, that's happened again and again, just because you demonstrate that you're there to care, you're not there to get them to come to your church. Mm, I love that. It's the classic example of saying, I want to go that direction. So why don't I go left instead of straight and I'll end up where I need to be? You know, because I think we we look at that and go, well, I want exactly. people to come to my church and I want people to come to my church. It's like, well, let's spend more time just out in that community, loving selflessly, sacrificially. And, and it is such a powerful moment. These life moments are some of the most significant in people's lives. And they remember pastoral presence and Christian presence. And that's that's that can't be overlooked or ignored. I just say we emphasize again and again to even the people. It's like you spend six and three-fourths days outside this building. Don't think that just bringing somebody here is going to fix things. Build that relationship outside the four walls because most of your time is with workers, your neighbors, your friends, your family, and most of that's way outside. So if we teach people how to reach people rather than bring them to church so the pastor can do it, ministry is way more effective in my opinion. Absolutely. And honestly, an empowered laity, an empowered clergy who are out in the community, it's great stuff. But uh, touching back to to a brief comment you just made. So you mentioned that not everybody's always happy you're there. So one of the subjects that, again, I'm super passionate about is that uh, small towns are amazing places. They are often the greatest family that at the beginning you're not really a part of. 
and uh, and it can feel like there are high walls and a, and a high barrier to having a small town of people trust you, especially if you're viewed as an outsider. Would you, you know, over the course of your ministry, I know you've experienced opposition, maybe from within the church world, from without, just in the regular community. So how would a minister navigate that kind of opposition? Because honestly, one of the biggest barriers to longevity is sometimes, and I say this as somebody who like, has been pushed by my own small town and yet stuck around, loved it anyways, got to grow into a place of trust. Like, And there are plenty of pastors who have done that, but there are plenty of pastors too who find that threshold uncrossable where, where there's too much resistance or too much frustration and they could leave. And so how does one navigate facing that kind of opposition? Well, we're right in between two basic communities, one, one community to the west of us, which is Warwick, Ever since we got here, the people were wide open. Hmm. They welcomed their arms wide open to us, and we got to visit and everything. Where if you go to Talna, that was a Talna, Mackville area. That's another area where they're a little more closed community. It's not bad. It's just that's the way they are. Right. And uh, so you got to learn how to navigate into those arenas. And what I found is is the opportunities to walk with people through weddings, funerals, just. Just being around and helping people. Um, there again, I did a lot of, I melt cows, I fix fence, I, you know, did carpentry and all that. They're non-threatening ways to reach a community. And I, to me, that's one of the most powerful ways to reach community is that you're willing to come and help them. You're not willing to come and take them away from something. And mm. uh, if you can always add into somebody's life, it seems like it comes around a little more uh, reasonable time frame than than other things that person could try. Cause I, I only did door to door once and I did it in a small town of Hamer and I found out, you know, that's not going to work in our rural communities, sure. you know, that door to door business. But if you go to town and you go to the celebrations, you go to things and you start, start meeting people and you start serving and do things way more effective that way in reaching people. So it, if you're willing to step across your own comfortable places and uh, step into some arenas that are not so easy to get to, I found that you can reach a lot of people. So you go to, like I say, you go to the celebration, might not be your kind of forte, but you know, you build relationships. You, can you clean up the town? Can you go, you know, after the celebration, go clean up the town? Can you go do things where people see that you're willing to help no matter what? Makes a big difference. Yeah. And honestly, uh, uh, I love what you said there, because again, you get so often where we we do get fixated, and rightfully so. Like we are ministers, we are passionate about preaching the gospel. We want people yeah. to get saved and come to church and be a part of community. Um, but like, man, it has been echoed again and again on our podcast that if the only value, if the only thing you're contributing to your community is preaching on a Sunday morning and taking care of the already existing saints, then in your small town, you might just be missing a plethora of opportunities. And really, uh, this this amazing chance to do good, to build trust, to be in the lives of people. I uh, I've heard people say before, you know, they say it's it's hard for people to criticize you when you're busy working hard right next to them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's hard. It's harder when when you are out there fixing fence, milking cows, being at the local harvest festival or the soup competition they do every September. You know what? Whatever it is, like. Like right. that is the power of presence, you know, and I love, you know, it's, it's, it's so healthy to overcome opposition. I love that. Yeah. Uh, another subject I want to talk about. Um, so obviously over the course of 35 years, and I would say a lot of rural churches feel 
um, this same pressure, the same struggle is uh, you, you see leaders in your church, people that you are investing in lay leaders who are volunteering, they're running the kids ministry, they're doing worship, they're doing all these things. And over the years, um, they come and go, right? Like whether they move away, whether the the teenager that's been helping with sound for six years graduates and then goes, you know, goes off to college, you know, people die. I mean, the whole, you know, it's such a small town. Like, like I remember, I remember in our town in Baker, we went from, I think uh, a year prior, we had like 20 people involved on our worship team. It was awesome. I had never had so many musicians in my entire tenure. And then a year later we were down to six and I was like, what? What happened? Like, this is the dumbest. What what happened here? And it was a variety of reasons. Some people had stopped coming to the church. Some people left town. Some people, you know, had, had stepped out for stuff in their own life. Like, it just was the wildest thing to me. So, uh, but one of the ways that I want to highlight, okay, is you had mentioned how sharing your pulpit has grown leadership within your church as a consistent thing. Right. You had mentioned that this and the reason I bring up that area specifically, and you can touch on other ones if you want, is I have found most often that in the rural church, pulpit sharing can be a really hard threshold again for a pastor to cross, mostly because uh, we're usually in blue collar contexts. You know, people already make jokes about pastors only work in Sundays. And then the one thing you're supposed to do is show up and preach on Sunday. And so then you say, oh, this this week we're going to have a guest speaker or a lay person or somebody else fill that pulpit. So why would you say it's so important for pastors to share their pulpit and what has it done to foster ministry in your church? And you can highlight people in your church or guest speakers, like how are you fostering people doing ministry through, through kind of pulpit sharing? Well, one of the ways is we believe in the fivefold ministry okay. and the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints. So there's no way that a pastor is going to be able to do all of that by themselves. I don't think it's meant to be. So I, we try to bring in people that are different giftings, evangelists, missionaries, all, you know, the whole gamut of the fivefold ministry, prophetic and all that, so that people can be poured into by other ministries so that they can get something they, we may never be able to give them in that dose or that kind of uh, experience. So that's really critical in my opinion. And then in doing that, that also helps those people in our congregation grow to the point where whatever we're investing in them, they've watched us do, and they like how we're doing it. Pretty soon, they they begin to say, I think I can do that. So uh, as I say right now, out of the 35 years, we've had people that are very gifted come for a season of their life and then leave. And then it's like, okay, so what happens if I leave? Who's going who's gonna to come in and do this? So you're in a rural setting. And once again, we're not connected with a denomination. So we're, we're not, we don't have an abundance of people in the background we can call on like other denominations may have that. So I began to un- try to figure out how can I build more people? So I began to look at my pastor back in Brookings, South Dakota, who does that consistently where he has people that come and they preach on Wednesday night, they preach on Sunday night, they preach on Sunday morning, whatever. And uh, in doing that, he's there so that they can have a safe place to share. Even if they mess up, so what? You can always go back and correct. And if nobody's ever done it perfect, I've had people come up to me after a sermon I've given and uh, said, did you know that you said this? And it's like, no, let me go back and listen to it. Because even in the midst of saying it, I didn't even catch it. But I love it when my people check on me because we're in this together. We're a family. 
And we're not here to be better than anybody else. We're here just to do this together. And so I'll go back and correct my mistake on the recording or whatever I need to do, because that's just how I am. Um, and so I, I think that's really important. So in doing that, they see that nobody has to be up front, has to be perfect. So then mm-hmm. these, these guys that I got now, they're, they're willing to jump in at any moment, anytime, because they've been watching and learning. And we've been doing Bible studies and different things to, that help them. And, and they, they just have felt the call of God and they're diving in and I'm willing to give them the chance. And so it's really been fun to watch them grow. And the more opportunity they get, the easier it is for them when they go outside our church to preach, because they will get the call eventually somewhere outside the church as well. Mm. So it's because, and there again, they come from different backgrounds and they reach different people than I will. So once again, we're kingdom minded. We're not just local, you know, just only a certain few. No, I want to reach the world, but you can't reach the world staying at home. So it's always good when those guys are willing to go out and do things and, We've had guys do funerals. We've had guys do weddings and different things. And it's just been fun to watch them step into those areas where they would have never had the opportunity had they not got some experience while they were with us. So it's been yeah. been very, very helpful. The experience, and there again, that's the kind of person I am. I can, If I can experience it, I get way more out of it. Absolutely. So, so that's kind of my tendency to go that way. It's like I'd rather give someone experience rather than just – do whatever. Sure. Well, and I love the kind of two-pronged approach you just said. Like, if we never create space for outside voices, especially those that are different from a pastoral teaching role, you know, uh, we are line by line, precept by precept, giving people the Word of God week after week after week. But um, some of my most powerful experiences growing up when when we did have that guest person, and sometimes they had the word prophet or apostle attached to them. And, And I know some people even get weirded out by that. But really, all we were saying was, here is some space to experience the call of God in a different way. And when you create that space in your conversation or or in your congregation, then suddenly people are responding. And then I love the the second prong of your approach, which is to say, all right, we've, we've created space to hear the call of God. Now let's hone that. Let's make this a church of practitioners, not a church of perfection. And so I hope any pastor listening would be encouraged um, maybe look around you and say, hey, it may not be perfect. It may not be on a Sunday that, you know, I mean, there's always going to be the Sunday where you have that person preach the first time and a guest shows up and somehow their sermon's on tithing. Like, we all know this is going to happen, you know, yeah. but it's worth it is what you're saying. It's worth it, you know? Well, and I find that when the, we've had a few people say, I came to hear you today. And it's like, you know what? You can go online and listen to me anytime you want because we That's record true. our services if you want to, but today was their day and God set that up. So I'm not going to disappoint God just because of a person's response. And therefore, once again, I think it's critical that pastors learn. We're not here to make people happy. Mm, I love that. That is not your goal. Your goal is make sure that God gets everything he wants, anytime he wants it and how he wants it done. That's the goal of a pastor in a church, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. That's a very refreshing perspective. Well, hey, uh, the last thing I want to ask you. Um, so I enjoyed, you mentioned uh, in our phone call that you had kind of this this philosophy of ministry, you know, because I love asking people who have been at it uh, longer than I have, you know, just to say, hey, what's some wisdom you've lived your life by? And I know you you talked about how, uh, you know, over the course of your ministry career, you, you've kind of faced every day with a certain mentality. And so enlighten us on, on what that is and what it's meant to you. 
Well, in living the purpose that God has for you, and, I, and I'm not a purpose-driven life person or anything like sure, that. Sure, sure. The ultimate goal is, is that you're here for a certain amount of time. We don't know how long that is until God says it's time to go. And that you make the most of every opportunity that God has. So if I give God every day the opportunity to do in me or through me what needs to be done, I can make the most effective difference in people's lives. Now, can you put a statistic to that? No. That's one of the hardest things about the American culture. We all like statistics. But the reality is, is that you'll never be able to put a, a percentage on the amount of impact you have based on taking care of people, reaching people. I'll never forget uh, one, one story comes to mind. Uh, the Lord woke me up at 11.56. One, I'd just gone to sleep, woke me up at 11.56. He gave me a name of a, someone in our community, and I began to pray for them. And at the next day, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? And uh, to this day, that person is not saved, mm-hmm. but he will come to me. If he has any problems or issues, he'll, he'll come and ask me to pray. And so I went and told him, I said, the Lord woke me up last night at this time. What was going on? And he, he gave, began to describe a situation that could have ended up very difficult, but it didn't because uh, everything turned out okay. So once again, when you hear God and you know that God's given you something about someone in your community and you can reach into their life, even though they don't come to church, because still to this day, he's never come to our church. Right. But that's not the point. The point is, he knew of a situation that happened to him, and somebody was praying for him. It just happened to be me that day. Hmm. So, you know, you begin to establish those, those things where every day is important, but you can't put a stat to it. You can't put a number to it. And that's okay, because God wants you to reach into people's lives. You make a deposit. What they do with it? Doesn't matter because in my mind, like the word says, the Bible is an incorruptible seed. They can't yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. So once you plant it, it's there and it'll probably add what somebody else has already said to their life. And you pray for others to come along and do the same. So you begin to watch people respond over and over. And this has been, I've known this man probably all close to 35 years I've been here. So, and still he's not saved yet. And that's okay because he's still reaching out. He'll come to my house and we'll sit and visit till one, two in the morning sometimes. Oh, wow. But, you know, it's just you build that relationship where they know they can trust you and you're not going to try and change them because that's not your job. Your job is to serve them, minister to them, and let God do the changing. Yeah, honestly, uh, I love that that idea because, again, uh, rural ministry is often about metrics. How are we measuring success? And it's tempting to, to still take the same metrics that apply in a larger place, which we don't even have time to debate, you know, what those are. But it's like, man, if I, if I'm in a city of, you know, 150,000, well, then I can, I can expect to see numeric growth and, 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 you know, see that in, in, in a different way. But in a rural right. church, it's like, man, I prayed for somebody. I was present during this experience. And I love how you change the name of the game. Instead of saying, God, what am I going to do today to grow this church? You're really saying, God, where is the Holy Spirit working, and how can right. I just come alongside that? And honestly, somehow there's also there's sim- for me when I hear you say that, I simultaneously have a little more pressure because I'm like I really want to hear from God, but also a lot less mm-hmm. pressure to understand that the results are not on my back. They're not on. Yep. It's not my issue in a sense. Like I, I, as long as I'm hearing from God, doing the best to be obedient, well, then that day is a success just by the nature of it. That's cool. Right. 
Well, it's one of those things, too. I've always told the Lord, I said, if you want to close this church, you can close it. And I'll never be worried. You know why? Because he's in charge of my life. And there's no possible way there's any part of him that doesn't have a plan beyond what, what he wants to do today. Hmm. So if 35 years is all the longer God wanted this church open, that's sure. perfectly fine with me. I'm not married to it. I am married to God through Jesus Christ, and I, I just want to do everything he wants. I, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it looks normal. It, it doesn't have to. I, I want it to look like God. That's all that matters. Yeah. Well, Pastor Jeff, I do want to say uh, thank you again for being on the podcast today. It's been a delightful conversation. Yeah, likewise. I agree. It's been uh, fun to visit with you, and glad we can share some of our, our experiences and hope it helps somebody along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, from all of us at Real Advancement, we just want to say thanks again for tuning in. Again, it is our goal every single week to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it. We hope that you're encouraged. We hope that you're inspired and challenged to uh, continue doing God's work wherever you're at. Well, hey, uh, you can always find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or on our website, www.ruraladvancement.com. But as we all know, in the most rural of formats, uh, the best way to spread this podcast is to find another rural minister or layperson who needs it and just say, hey, have you checked this out? And so help us out in that. I have been your host, Joe Epley. He has been Pastor Jeff Capel, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.